Last week, we asked you, what film made you cry? And we gave our own answers. And we let the audience come to us and tell us a couple of movies that made them cry. Some of these movies I've never seen, so maybe you can testify to them. So the first one we have is Irreplaceable You. That was from Abigail. But she's sleeping. No, I don't even know what that movie is. Oh, so you've never seen it with her. Uh, And then we got another one that says The Last Samurai. And then a couple more. Inside Out, the Rugrats movie. Oh. John Wick and the Deer Hunter. Okay. <laughs> what's, what's that face? No, I, I've, I've never seen any of the John Wicks. That's an interesting one. I know the dog dies, so maybe that's why they cried. Oh. Rugrats movie. That's a good one. Who? who could you see who so, voted for that one? So Mason wrote, Inside Out, Rugrats movie, John Wick, and Deer Hunter almost made me cry. I see. I see. Good one. Rugrats movie. That's a good one. That's a deep cut from our childhood. Yeah, that one would still get me probably. I know the what the side part was when the the kid didn't have a mom to dance with. Yeah, Chucky. Yeah. Um, but this week, Nicholas, I asked you a question that I'm not going to ask the viewers. We're gonna we're gonna switch it up. But I asked you, what was the best movie that you would never watch again? So I had to think about this one, and I almost copped out and picked one of the films that we've been uh, reviewing as we make our way up the IMDb top 250. Like I thought about the 400 Blows was a strong contender, um, but I thought that was a little bit cheap. So my actual real answer is, and I believe this is the correct year it came out, 2016's The Nice Guys. That one had um, Russell Crowe and... Um, Oh my gosh, who's in Barbie? Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Why did I want to say Jake Gyllenhaal? Uh, yeah, Ryan Gosling. I thought that was a fantastic film. I thought uh, it was like sort of like a buddy cop, like old school style film that Hollywood doesn't make a lot of. And I thought it was really well done. I thought the screenplay was fantastic. The performances were excellent. Just don't think I'll ever watch it again. I'll, I'll be completely honest. I've always thought about going back to it, but every time I think but, about it, I always the, say what's no. What's your particular reason why you won't? Because every time that I've just have done it, every time I think about going back to it in the last seven, eight years now, I always think to myself, nope, I'd rather watch something else. Even though I think it's maybe one of the better films I've seen. Because was it, was it your dad that refuses to watch Deadpool again? Yeah. That's what I always thought. I think of when people say they don't watch a movie. Your dad said, I don't want to taint the, my view of it. And I won't watch yeah. the sequel either. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, well, I went around this in a completely different way. I picked Come and See. The okay. 1985 Soviet Belarusian film. Yeah. About the kid in war. It's just such a haunting film that you're so engaged in it. But when it's over... Your heart's racing and you're just like, that was two and a half hours of misery that I never want to experience again. Yeah. But I'm glad I did once. Okay. And cool. Abigail wanted to weigh in and she said hers was midsummer. Oh, that's a good one. I, to be honest, I, I could see myself falling into that one too. Have you seen it? Yeah. Once even. Did we watch it together? We watched I, the director's cut, didn't we? We have the um, criteria. Or you have that. Yeah. You have the fancy slipcase. Mm hmm. And the like the leather bound, yeah, disc case for it. Was her reasoning because she 
would, would be too scared to watch again or it freaked her no, out. She said it just makes her too uncomfy. Yeah, I think that would be my answer to that, too. Like, I think that's a really good answer. Um, oh, that one freaked me out. Love that movie, though. Oh, it's good. But yeah, wouldn't I would yeah. never watch that one again. That's a good one. I might have to start so, answer. Our loyal listeners, we're not going to ask you this question next week. So, Nicholas, what are you going to be asking them okay. for next episode? So, the question that I have come up with, and i got to be careful how I phrase this. What is the worst performance you have seen from an actor or actress that you admire or you like? Is that right, and then, yeah. What's the worst? What's what's your favorite actor's worst performance? Yeah. Or what's what's a great actor's worst performance? Doesn't have to be your favorite. Correct. Correct. So that's the question. That oh, that's our question of the day. That'll be in the in the Q and A at the bottom of our Spotify page. So after you're done voting on which movie is better this week, go ahead and just leave a little movie or an actor, or then let's tell us what you think. But beyond that, Nicholas. What you watching? Nothing. And I'll be honest, there's a lot of good movies out right now. I, I promise you this. I, next time we talk, unless something goes drastically wrong, I will come back to you with uh, Godzilla Minus One. But I just Ooh, haven't yeah. found the time yet. And uh, I mean, I our, watch... our, our Saturdays are free now. It, it, I, exactly. And uh, I do Our Sundays watch... are going to be free in <laughs> a little bit. Shoot. Uh, I don't care about it anymore. Uh, I do want to watch the new Hunger Games film. Um, there's a couple other films that are out right now that I, I do have a, a slight interest in. So hopefully this time next week I'll have something. But for now, I've got nothing. What about you? Well, funny you mentioned the Hunger Games, the ballad of songbirds and snakes. Because Abigail and I reserved our tickets at Regal Cinema 10 in our local theater. And... Picked the biggest screening room to go see it in, and we were the only two people there. Stop! No way. And that's kind of sad. What What was the time that y'all saw it? We saw it at two forty on a Wednesday. Okay, I guess that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. All right. Give so, her non spoil. I definitely don't want any spoilers for this. Um. But obviously, you know, go into whatever you got to go into. I have two notes. I'll add a third. Okay. Go into it knowing that there's a lot of singing in this movie. Okay. A lot of songs and dance. Not in a musical way. Sure. But Rachel Ziegler. Mm-hmm. She knows how to sing and she's going to let you know she knows how to sing. Okay. That is helpful. Um, Would not expect that. A pretty decent prequel for someone that's not really that invested in that Hunger Games world. Right. I've seen the first, second. Didn't see the third one. But then I watched the finale. That's funny. Because I read half of the third book. Oh. I was like, I know what happens. Yeah. Completely lost. <laughs> um, but my biggest pet peeve, this movie was way too long. Two hours and 37 minutes. Yeah, it is longer. Uh, you'll know it. And they use title cards to break it up into chapters. But they don't use them effectively because there's only three chapters. So you sort of forget that they're even there. And then it's sort of like jarring when you're like, oh. This is a chapter film. Yeah. Um, but once the third chapter comes up, you'll be like, okay, there's probably like 20 minutes left. I think there's another hour. Yeah. Um, and then my biggest critique is, I feel like the movie didn't do a good enough job of making Snow as unlikable as he should have been from the get-go. 
So at the very end, they have to do like double work to make him seem like he's a really bad guy. I've also seen all of the TikToks and Twitter X videos about how the actor who plays Snow is just one big thirst trap. That's people yeah, having trouble. Funny. Yeah, they're having trouble. I will. I will say. I know. I know you don't use Letterbox, but you need to go and read the reviews. They're so funny. Okay, I'll do that. Um, but yeah, I think I. I think I. I, I was sitting at like a six point five on it. Okay. Which. I used my little run pee app to tell me when I needed to go pee. Yeah. And I, I, my expectations were at a 6.1. So it ever so slightly okay. uh, outweighed my expectations. So my biggest fear is, and, and I guess you kind of answered this question, maybe. Uh, for someone like me, like I never read the books. I did watch the movies, but of course those came out forever ago. Am I going to be lost? in this movie does it seem like a good standalone like obviously it's a prequel but do i need to know any hunger games no i don't think so okay the the one thing i really did enjoy about it was because it's set like 10 years after the first hunger games and like civil war that the country had sure they did a good job of casting like the tributes that had uh disabilities because you'd be like okay these kids were living through a civil war a lot of them would be losing an arm or be scarred or blind or partially blind or whatever i thought that was a pretty neat oh cool neat narrative device yeah sometimes you don't think about things like that so that's good cool all right but yeah anything else um just i know we said i wasn't talking about it i spent all day waiting for the sc championship game yep just to be thrilled for five minutes yeah and then watch our season come crumbling down i to to bring this back to just media that we're watching i last night made myself feel better by watching season two of i am groot there's like five Ooh. five little short episodes that i just watched and it made me feel better i made myself feel better by actually watching today's film i hadn't yeah. watched it yet so yeah. i watched today's film imdb number 229 there you go the incredibles so we'll, we'll we'll catch you after our break with today's feature film. Welcome back, everybody. Today. Our feature film that we are discussing is 2004's Pixar superhero film, The Incredibles. This is number 229 on our way up the top 250 IMDb list. And Zachary, as always, you've done a fantastic job, might I add, sir, of giving just the perfect brief synopsis of these films. Before we jump into spoilers, as always, could you give our audience members a quick, and for the record, I can't imagine anyone who's listening to this who hasn't seen this film. But just in case, or if it's been a long time, would you please, dear sir, give us your synopsis of The Incredibles? Yes, well, I will piggyback off of you. This movie sits at an 8.0. So we've gone back down a point on our list. But it has 787,672 votes. I think this is the most voted on film that we've that we've reviewed so far. That's cool. And it sits at a 90 on Metacritic. But it's it's about 
Bob. Car? Is their last name Car? Par. Par, par. Um, slash Mr. Incredible. Who has, after superheroing is made illegal in his city worldwide, he settles down with his former superhero partner, Elastigirl, and they are living a mundane lives in sort of this witness protection program-esque and he's sort of incapable of letting the past die he gets into some trouble and ends up fighting for his life on an island where his not even protege his former head fan club member is now a supervillain trying to kill him and become a hero himself so the family must come to his rescue nice and they make up the incredibles very nice. Okay. Well, what do you want to start? Because there's a lot of different um, places we can. So I will just say this film stars Craig Nelson as Bob, Mr. Incredible, Holly Hunter as Helen, Elastigirl, Samuel L. Jackson as Frozone, and Jason Lee as Buddy slash Syndrome. And I don't think anyone would know either of the two children. Yeah. Ah, I think we're um, and this movie is directed by Brad Bird. And it's the first time we've had a director second film on this list he directed the iron giant that's right i I was gonna bring that up i'm glad you did yeah maybe maybe we can start there uh so i because i was i love this film i'll go ahead and admit i love it uh that's gonna be no surprise probably to many people listening to this um i saw that brad bird uh when he was approached for this he pretty much brought all of his staff from Mm -hmm. the iron giant to do this film the incredibles and man like obviously, what what the Iron Giant was in in 1999 uh, was a completely different film in terms of the animation that Warner Brothers uh, had them do. I, I mm-hmm. you may not remember this, but when we did our episode way back on the Iron Giant, there was all sorts of um, problems and issues that they ran into during the development stage and what Warner Brothers was able to give them and not give them. But this is early on in Pixar's sort of cache of films i think at this point they've only had done the first two toy stories they had finding nemo maybe had come out the year before i know i think monsters inc had come out monsters inc sounds about right 2003 um so this is very early on in in sort of pixar's repertoire of films and the animation i had read um was at this point now they had kind of perfected what they were they were able to do in those previous Pixar films. And yeah, uh, I have a list. They had Toy Story, A Bug's Life. Yes. Toy Story to Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, and then The Incredibles. Okay, cool. Uh, it's awesome. Like, what, with the staff, because it seems like that Iron Giant film, it, it, when you watch this film, it seems like it would have come out forever ago. It's only a five-year difference. And mm-hmm. uh, it seems like the, the animators for this, and obviously the, the resources that Pixar maybe were afforded after the success of some of those films, um, it looks great. Like I, one of the things that I was a little bit nervous when I was first watching the film, like in the first, maybe first half hour, I was like, uh, is some of this going to hold up you know, today? And I felt like it did. I think yeah. that some of the animation in the face, uh, obviously. Yeah. It's, the faces look very, sometimes when lighting is not, perfect they look very clay and wax like it is clay like but that that's just that's early pixar before they had the technology but it's also sort of gives it a a bit of nostalgia and charm to it it does because i know a lot of people aren't 
too fond of what Pixar is doing now. Correct. That's what I was going to bring up. And they sort of lost the, their signature like animation style. Yes. Because I, I think, and we talked about this before. I know we have on this podcast, and I've talked about it off air with a lot of other people too. I feel like a lot of films these days, and it's not even just under Pixar, it's under Disney, it's under other animation studios, DreamWorks, like the, the animation and the technology has gotten so good that it all looks too clean and perfect across all yeah. companies. They're, and so they're there's all something sort of to like this. diverging into one un- like uniform aesthetic. Right. And I don't like it at all. Yeah, which is, it is a little upsetting to, as a tangent real quick. I don't know if you've been seeing, but the, the new Disney film, Wish, which tries to combine sort of back to the animation, I heard it hasn't yeah. been doing too hot. Um, that's a little upsetting because I, I like that it decided to take a chance. So, so I, I like that. So visually, I, I was all in still. And speaking to just the aesthetic of the film, I really love, and maybe you can explain this better, this film exist in a world that is very reminiscent for me of like the batman animated series in the sense that it's Mm -hmm. like a retro version of the modern era it's like retro futurism but not as dramatic on the retroness yes and so and what's great about that is is when you deciding to do that is you can lean into some cool storytelling tricks like the first uh, 15 minutes like the opener of the film you get um, sort of uh, newspaper headlines and black and white footage to try to tell the story about how superheroes have been pushed out um, I also love that and I'm pretty sure I'm not messing this up uh, after Bob uh, saves the the jumper the, the man who tried to commit suicide they do a homage to Citizen Kane where the, the words uh, the news headlines flash across the building. Like, I'm pretty sure that shot is taken straight from Citizen Kane. And uh, it's stuff like that, like really cool storytelling tricks where you're able to, because of the aesthetic that you have chosen, you can play mm-hmm. into that. And so the first 15 minutes were so cool and fun for me. Yeah, I love the, the beginning. And I think I can spin this into the, the score of this movie, especially in the beginning. Yeah. It, it's like a perfect mix between sort of like a Mission Impossible James Bond spy thriller mixed with a superhero score but sort of like toned down to where it it, we are aware that this is taking place in the in sort of the past yes or a world that isn't as modern as ours yeah no I agree you know now that you say this was what was this film nominated for do you know that do you have that off the top of your head one of us could look it up Um, I feel like I feel like score should be up there for, for a number of reasons it was nominated for best achievement in sound editing best animated feature film of the year best writing and best achievement in sound mixing okay Okay. yeah i don't i don't think they the academy gives a lot of time to animated scores no i i I doubt that it does um so if, if we look at this film sort of sort of scene by scene um what i also love is just sort of a more of a big picture thing for the film is how it at uh how do I say this? Not trying to hold audiences' hands. Obviously, this film, like the the, the demographic for this film, are kids. Mm-hmm. However, this is one of those films that's perfect in the sense that it is an all ages affair, and it's it was actually crazy rewatching it again because I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, if I have seen it, it's been like certain chunks or scenes just read that have randomly popped up over the years. 
but I forget that, uh, like, from the beginning, these, the way that they even conduct the interviews with the superheroes, like, there's, there's an off-screen reporter that's doing interviews with uh, Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl, and the conversations that they're having, like, I feel like that's even difficult for a child to have to go ahead and, like, as an audience member, place themselves into having to mm-hmm. understand what they're watching. And then the idea of you as an audience member having to accept that superheroes were being sued because of their actions and like stopping a suicide attempt and like the suicide. Yeah, there, there's like, a lot of mature yes themes in this movie. Like it just it was so much in those first couple minutes where I was like, wow, like again, like I don't think I would have like as a kid, I definitely picked up on the idea of like, oh, like superheroes, like they're just not a thing. They did these things, but it'd be cool. Like as a parent or an older individual, you're like, oh man, like this film, it's, it's realistic. Yeah. Well, I hate, I hate using this phrase, but I just feel like this film wouldn't be made today in a way because of like, they would have definitely toned it down Yeah, because it would be a children's movie because there's not many Pixar or anime movies in general that, explicitly talk about killing people yeah because there's a yes. scene where uh elastigirl tells the dash and violet that he's like these aren't like this the villains on the sunday cartoons these people will kill you they will kill you yeah um and there was some pretty intense violence where like dash and violet are murdering people they're murdering people <laughs> they're like mr incredible's like throwing vehicles into other um villains yeah and there are a confirmed 21 deaths on screen in this movie that's funny and it's not even like no nameless super name nameless grunt gets like exploded we have multiple scenes where a villain gets where a superhero gets sucked up into a jet turbine with a cave i mean obviously that's what ends up happening to syndrome at the end of the film like at the end i was like oh my gosh like i forgot like i knew that that was gonna happen but it was like watching it again you're like Again, as an it's audience like, member like, and as a kid, you're accepting that, like, oh, that villain just got shredded. Like, oh, kid like got he deserved it, but a, you're like, oh, that was kind of gross. <laughs> gruesome. Yes. Yes. And, like, the skeleton where he hides behind the, the dead body of his friend. Yes. Yes. And, but, There's just a he, lot of and, mature themes in this movie. They talk about sex a lot. I was about to say, I'll go even one step further than that. There is, and again, right from the jump of the film, they make it very obvious where the Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl's first interaction is them stopping a like rooftop robber, some guy who just stole this woman's purse. And it's, the scene is very flirtatious. It's very seductive. Like Miss uh, Elastigirl is like wrapping her body around him, all around him and like seductively like whispering to him. And then there is, there's that shot where she is seen like flipping back into like the horizon and mm-hmm. it's and the music that plays is like that sort of slow piano, like very sexy, romantic. And then it's like that shot goes back to Mr. Incredible, and he just like does that whistle where it's like <laughs> it's it's just crazy. Well, there, but and so then there's like whole, it's cool. There's a whole montage where he's pretending that he's going on business trips. Yes, and it's heavily implied that they're just getting it on all the time now. Yes. She's like wrapping herself around him, like pulling back into the. Yeah. Uh, she's like rooming out the door. He's like, nope, come back in. Um. And then you have a uh, syndrome, like, oh, you married a girl. 
And you got busy. Busy. Yes. No, it's, it, and that's not, look, and that gets an audible laugh. Like, honestly, like I, yeah. I was watching, I was watching with my roommate and he, I mean, he laughed out loud with that part. But yeah, again, like, I, uh, I think that's, go on. I was just saying, I mean, like we're, we're talking about how this, there's something in this movie for the kids and the parents, because yeah. obviously the kids aren't going to understand these more mature sexual jokes. And it's not even that they're jokes. It's more of like, it makes the characters more real. So it, you can identify with them as an adult. That's what it is. It but then you have real. the slapstick jokes for the kids where Mr. Incredible picks up the car, yeah. throws his boss through a wind, like a bunch of wall, like dry, yeah. dry walls. Can we, and let's, let's talk about that stuff. But so after, after superheroes have to go by the wayside, right? When the government's like, superheroes are done. And we see what Mr. Incredible is, I, I think it's like 15 years later. Mm-hmm. And he's this overweight, works in the office. And there's a part of me, Zach, now that I'm, now that we are young adults, where you look at Mr. Incredible and you're like, oh no, like, this is, this, like, this is almost, this could be us. Where it's like, you're yeah, stuck at that desk job. And he's, it's depressing. Like, you know, it's like the SpongeBob meme where there's that one episode of that one fish where he's like, he's in the car, he's at work. And then it's like <laughs> at the window, he's like coming to bed, dear. And he's like, yes, honey. And it's like, that's, it's like, this is the meme played out over the film, like Mr. Incredible. Like, and it's, and it's so real. Yeah. I think this, this film does a great job of showing, um, just corporate America and the stranglehold it has over people and how monotonous and, the whole the whole color palette when he's in the office is just gray, different gray. tones of gray. Yes. And I think the film does a good job of by making his boss so much smaller than him. It really elevates like because we know that this dude is so strong and right. he has these incredible powers. But he's powerless to stop a guy who's three foot tall. Such a smart visual choice. That's what it is. And, that is so smart. And then you're just like, you're, if you're an adult, you're like, man, like this is literally what I'm living through. Yes. Yeah. And you get the scene in traffic, you get him in the car. Yeah. And then I think we all want to be the guy that just slams the door as hard as we can. Yeah. But of course he's superheroes that shatters his window. Yeah. <clears throat> but then at the same time we have Elastigirl who's living this sort of suburban hell where she is. I don't know why they didn't give her a job, but she's the one staying home. And the only way she's finding joy in the beginning of the film is by calling him and telling him that she finally unpacked the boxes after three years. Yes. And he can't even give her that sort of gratification that she's looking for. He just says, oh, it's been three years, honey. Yeah. Yeah. And she's living in her own type of hell where all she's cooking and she's cleaning and she's raising this third baby where he's just sort of mindless at home he's just sort of right. a zombie glazed over i was gonna say when he comes home and that's like the like violet and dash like fighting at the table and she's like the only one taking the interest and he's just completely not there yeah um but then of course this movie picks up when he goes to the island for the first time yes um also i wrote how there was never an Incredibles roller coaster based on that tram system is beyond me. Crazy. There <laughs> definitely should be, right? Instead of a Ratatouille world, I feel like there should be an Incredibles ride where you're yeah. in those little tram I cars. Of, I thought about that as a kid. Um, yes. Agreed. Agreed. Um, also, I, 
we're sort of talking about mature themes. There's the part where uh, Elastigirl sees her body in the image in the mirror and she's like disgusted with herself. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because there's so many people now that are sort of objectifying her for having like the perfect body. But I guess in 2004, that was considered to be not as appealing. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. That is. No, you're right. Um, also, this plot is just what Spider-Man Far From Home took. Oh, go, so what do you mean by that? So we have our, dis, like our disgruntled man who is very smart, who takes the tech that he has and is going to use it to pretend that he's a superhero and become the most important person in the world so they can get rich. That's funny. So I'm glad you brought that up because, and I'll, I'll go ahead and shut him out. So Mason, superstar, super fan Mason, he, uh, he messaged me and he said, you know, he's like, this film is really just uh, Watchmen for kids. And I said, oh, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, he's like, it's about this idea of superheroes who have their heyday, their golden age, and the government basically told them to go away. And there's a plot to kill off all the superheroes that our protagonists have to solve. And so that's funny that there's like all these influences that you can see, like maybe that they've mm-hmm. taken from or that they influenced later on. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Cause I, I had, I had, I was going to say that one way or another. Never read Watchmen or watched it. So, Oh, anyway. Um, yeah, but I think that my favorite part of this movie is about how every single member of the family has their own struggles that they're trying, they're trying to work through and yep. they all are, uh, resolved in a very meaningful way. Yes. So we have Mr. Incredible who is just screaming out for some sort of appreciation and thinks that he can do more than what his lot in life has been, which I feel like a lot of people can identify with. Yep. And he's every Tuesday night, he goes and reads the police scanners and tries to save somebody. And by the end of the movie, he, he, I guess he bites on the opportunity to go to an island to help rescue superheroes or whatever. Why did they tell him to go there? Because the the machine had gone haywire? The machine had gone haywire, yeah. Basically, and try to convince him that, hey, we'll we'll pay you and you can relive your glory days. Three times your yearly salary. That's right. Yeah. So we have him just wanting to be back in the action. Which I feel like is very typical of a, a midlife crisis. Yeah, I was about to say, well, and even like, shoot, I, I think that applies for all ages. Because for him, it's like, it really is just, I was once this one thing, and now I just want to relive that moment, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. we all kind of have that. Like, even for us as young adults, we're like, oh, man, like college, high school, like, I wish I could go back to that time or do those things again, right? And as you're older, obviously, that applies even more so. Yeah, and I, I think Girl is very much sort of, she just wants to be seen for most of the movie. Yeah. But uh, as the movie goes on, I think she realizes that she has more value than just being a mother and a a homemaker. Yeah. And then we have Dash, who just just wants to play sports and compete. Yep. And uh, of course, he gets to run the race at the end. And love that. Violet, who is scared to even look at a boy, 
and yeah. she finds the confidence that was in her all along. Yeah. And puts her hair back. Yeah. No, I, I think I think all oh, that's a great point, and that's what makes it such a good film because I think one of the problems that you see nowadays with uh, a lot of these films, and I, I would I would call this like a spectacle film, and I think a lot of the problems you see with spectacle films nowadays is that they don't have you don't care about the characters. It's like you mentioned, like each of these individuals you care about, they have their own motivations, they have their own self interest, they have their own wants, their needs, whether however selfish they may or may not be, and that's what's missing like this this is almost like i equated i've I've told people this before this is like the perfect like fantastic war film like this idea of like this family working together this quartet Mm -hmm. and doing these awesome things but it's not enough just to have the awesome things like if if i don't care what's happening in act three like when you get like these very messy like third acts in a lot of films if i don't care about the characters then i i why should i care or why am i invested it's completely Mm -hmm. opposite here right like i i can tell you right now that Maybe the most uh, intense scene for me was uh, when Helen had found out that Bob had been fired and that he was on this island. He was in trouble and she was on the jet and we found out and she's heading to the island to go save him. And the kids had stowed away without her knowledge and that happens. And the scene alternates between Helen and the kids on the plane heading to the island. And then Mr. Incredible, who had become trapped at this point in the film, he is with Syndrome and Mirage. She was the woman that was working with Syndrome. When they're listening in on the, the jet scanner and they send missiles after them, like I was on the edge of my seat. Like I, I told you, I'm an emotional person. Like I can almost feel myself like almost tearing up when you're, you're going back and forth. You're hearing the scanner where it's like, we've got, we've got kids aboard. Like all this stuff is happening mm-hmm. and the missiles are getting closer. And it's that intense moment. It's like, it, I don't, I would not care whatsoever if I didn't have an attachment to any of those characters, right? If I didn't have attachment to Violet, Dash, Helen, why would that scene have made me care? Why would I have been like sitting up in my seat, literally? Mm -hmm. It was intense. It was intense. Yeah. And then they didn't die. They didn't die. I think, I think the funniest part of this movie is, sorry, got some, a little sick right now, trying to, Uh trying to run through it. Um, When she turns into the boat, yeah, and then Dash is the propellers. Yeah, um, yeah. I think this movie, a, a major theme of this movie, is just responsibility and like owning up to yourself and to the people around you. And I think one of the most powerful scenes is after the plane crashes and uh, lost a woman, lost a girl, is like puts the her kids in the cave and she leaves. Yeah, and then she tells Violet, she's like, "It's not. It wasn't fair of me to." ask you to do something that you've never done before and then get mad at you when you couldn't do it. I think a lot of people wish someone would say like, sorry like that because like there's a lot of pressures put on people and a lot of disappointment that people put on themselves when they can't fulfill a sort of task that is probably impossible. And I thought that was such a, a good piece of character development for both the characters. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I thought that I was, that was all good. That, that scene in particular was a standout for sure. Um, this film clocks in at 115 minutes. It's almost two hours. It was a, for me personally, a very breakneck pace, like from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Like there was no downtime whatsoever for the film. Um, I've, I've seen the argument that this film is too long at times. Zach, did we feel that it was an appropriate amount of time 
Do we feel like it ever? I think it, I think it worked. I think it worked. Yeah. Because I remember I was watching it last night, and because I've seen the movie plenty of times before, so I knew right. exactly. I knew the story beats. I just didn't know exactly when they took place. Yeah. And I remember he's still on the island for the first time, and there's only an hour left in the movie. Yeah. So I was like, okay, he's got to get off the island, come back. Yeah. They have to go there, and then they have to fight that villain at the end. Yeah. So I, I think, I mean, I think I moved along quite nicely. I think it was a perfect length. Okay. Um, and then the villain. Syndrome. So you mentioned this in the little synopsis. This was Mr. Incredibles, like in the 15 year flashback at the beginning of the film. He's like the kid, wants to be the kid's sidekick, the protege. He is mm-hmm. the ultimate fanboy, part of the club. He's the one who is, uh, uh, well, he messes up this, this, uh, attempted robbery, uh, by Bomb Voyage. I love some of the names, by the way. For Bomb these. Voyage. Yeah. Bomb Voyage. And then, looking at some of the like the the names that Edna gives out well the people who got caught with their case or when he's on the the computer when you can see like mm-hmm. Vectris and all these names um he he messes up that bomboyage and, and allows him to escape but uh he ends up becoming the villain he does sort of the whether you want to call it cliche or not the the turn to evil where he uses his intellect to be to use it for the forces of evil and is seeking out Mr. Incredible um I I always liked Syndrome as a kid. I like I like the motivation. I don't know if I'm still 100% sold on his plan. Like it's really weird how they describe it. So, I guess what I mean by this is there's there's at the end when he describes his master plan, he says, "I will unleash that droid the omni droid whatever it is onto the city i will come in i will save everybody i will be the superhero that you know everyone needs me to be and then when i'm older i will sell off my inventions and everyone will be super which means nobody will be super did you like that was that that all, all that work for you um well i think we need to remember the value that this movie came out Almost 20 years ago. Oh, I hate that. Um, That's disgusting. But I, I do think it, it, because it is a children's movie at the end of the day, I think it needs to be a motivations that a child can understand. Yeah. And I think a child can understand that this, because jealousy is an emotion that everyone, no matter how young, feels. So yeah. This kid was jealous. And he's also a generational hater. So he takes that hate with him and instead of doing something productive with all of his technology, he decides to ruin a single man's life for rejecting him when he was 12. Yeah. Um, I think it was all right. I didn't think it was anything. Yeah. I just I think it. if it was too convoluted that it would lose children, they wouldn't understand it. Okay. See, I, I, I was in the boat where I <laughs> thought that that planet itself was too convoluted and it, it felt oh, really? weird. Yeah, I feel like it would. It should have almost just been like, "I'm out to get Mister Incredible and kill all the superheroes." Yeah, they 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 I, they could have cut the. I'm gonna sell, but I guess yeah. it sort of makes sense because he hates superheroes, 
but he also wants to be one. Yeah, I guess that's the part that I I can I can accept. I guess the set like I, this dude seemed rich enough for me. Like he had his own island with all that. Like he didn't seem like he needed to sell the inventions. But I guess the idea that you're going to like his idea was I'm going to make I'm going to sell my inventions not for the money. It's so that everyone could be super, mm-hmm. so that no one could be super. But it's weird because supers didn't exist. You see what I'm saying? Like that part was weird to me. Like the superhero, there were still there were no superheroes anymore. Technically, still, yeah. like the government had gotten rid of them. That was the part that threw me off. But maybe I'm just being very, very tiki tack. Um, I do want to mention my. You're nitpicking a little bit. Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, I have to because I, I love this film. If I have any any flaws with it, I gotta I gotta shut them out. Um, Edna. Love Edna. Edna. Is Edna maybe one of the greatest supporting characters in a film ever? She's got to be. Um, hilarious. I used She's to so love the scene when I was a kid of her showing off the super suits. Yes. It's so fun. And I'll, I think that's just what this film comes down to. It's just so fun. It's the way so, she it's talks a fun is movie. fun. The way that she's showcasing the suits are fun. Um, oh my gosh. Like the way that they use their powers are so cool. And the way that mm-hmm. like, I, I think the other part for me that's fun is when, when Violet and Dash are on the island and they're discovering the use of their powers. Like when, mm-hmm. uh, when Dash is just running through the jungle, just racing like the Flash and just going. And uh, they get to the point where he's about to cross the water and he's, mm-hmm. he, he imagines he's going to fall in because he's like, I'm about to hit water. Like I, I've never done this before. And then he like closes the eye and that shot is real up on his face, right? His eyes are squinted. And then, you know, the shot opens and then that's like that aerial view looking down and he's just, just running on that water. And he just gives yeah. that little, like little giggle. And then it's just mm-hmm. like that music, just that score comes up again and takes off. And you're like, that's just such a fun moment. Um, yeah, I, I really like how they show his power set off. Yeah. Because I feel like with it, like, especially in the modern era, speedsters are like running the speed of light. Yeah. And it's almost impossible. Like they can never be defeated if you're running that fast. And right. like, how fast do you think he's going? Maybe like 80 miles an hour? Something like that. Yeah. Like he's going really fast. But 100, 120 tops. Yeah. And it was just so cool. I love the little pattering of his feet when they're yeah, running around. Yes, that's what, yeah, it's so fun. Such good sound design. Yeah. yeah. Like the, not that the powers seemed realistic. Yeah. But it was a more like grounded, like f- feel for these superheroes. Right, 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 right. Um, like, but Mr. Incredible didn't seem like the strongest man in the world. Like, he not, not he was obviously, but he didn't yeah. feel like Correct. super, super overpowered. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It, it was like the perfect limitations to their powers that they have to yeah. showcase. Did you ever play the Incredibles video game on the oh, yeah. GameCube? GameCube, yes. I'd love to level where you would play as Dash and you run around. Yeah. I, but I, it's funny, like, once I was watching the film, I was thinking about that game, but it also it took me back to the moments of frustration when I played that game. Yeah, because I, I, I didn't have a GameCube. My friend had one, so I'd go over to his house, Yeah. and I would play the, the level where Dash missed the school bus and had to catch the school bus. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, see, you're, it's these memories are bringing me back. Oh, my gosh, the fact that you said this film was almost 20 years ago, that's, that has just sucked with me. Um, um, I, li- I also love that this film and like all all good films do this where they take they they set some they set up these little breadcrumbs for you 
at the, generally in the first, you know, first act of the film, and then they get re-picked up later. Like, I love the idea of um, showing certain elements that will come into play, like Gazer Beam. Like, mm-hmm. talking about him as the missing individual, and like, what he does and his skill set and all the stuff. And then you get to that moment where Mr. Incredible Bob discovers him in the cave, and it comes up. And all the superheroes then re-come up when he's doing go searching through the database as he's discovering Syndrome's plan and how the, this, again, what's, what is a little breadcrumb then becomes such a major plot point for the film. It's always so fun because you as audience member, you feel so smart that you have picked up on that too, or if you remember that. And mm-hmm. again, I, maybe that's just a me thing. It always makes me feel like so, I don't know, like a cool little detective or it's like, oh, like <laughs> I, I picked up on that. Like, I think that's cool. And as a kid, again, maybe harder to pick up on, but I think, you know, if you're really paying attention or if you're, you know, you're an older audience member, like, you, you get a lot out of that. Yeah. And Matt I, Matt, I add, too, that that's, that stuff with Gazer Beam, what I also appreciate is, and it's, films don't do this a lot. Only the good ones do, in my opinion. There's There's that moment where Bob discovers him in the cave, and they, he notes that he is seeing across the cave, Gazer Beam, he has like Cyclops vision, like almost like heat vision, where he writes this code, Kronos, into the cave. And then, we'll, then Bob will then use it to access Syndrome's database. But we as audience members, we don't know, we never get explained how Gazer Beam finds out what that code is. We never find out mm-hmm. why in the world he's in that cave to begin with, how he got to the island. And you know what? That's totally, completely fine. I don't yeah. need that story. We don't need a description how that happened. We don't need background. And too often, sometimes films like to do that and give you every little thing, which can make the film feel weird and choppy. Love it. Love mm. that there are things like that that don't get picked on because they don't need to be. You can fill in however you want that to happen in your head. Yeah, I also like the little detail when he's going through the the computer of seeing all the heroes that have died. Yeah. I like the, how it cataloged the heroes that actually defeated yes. one version of it yeah. and then ended up dying from the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it, it really helps to, in a sort of way, characterize Syndrome a little more, like how obsessive he is over this, that he's willing to criti- like tweak every aspect of this drone to make it invincible. Exactly. Yeah. Um, makes, for a good, makes for a good little final fight scene, right? Where the Omnidroid <clears throat> sort of gets sent to america whatever city that they were in um Mm -hmm. that's always a cool final fight scene love and we haven't talked about him yet love that frozone gets some play there as well i thought he was an awesome Mm -hmm. character as a kid all of course you get the infamous the classic scene like my mom she'll she'll reference the scene like from time to time where the the omni droid is like running through super yes and he it's and it's because it's samuel l jackson which makes it even more perfect right and whoever whoever that woman was that voiced (laughs) in that moment she deserves just as many accolades as Sam Jackson for that The scene. city's in danger. My evening's in danger. danger. I am your wife. I am the greatest gun you are ever going to get. It's so good. It's fantastic. Um, so as we, as we sort of round down, wind down, I should say, have you seen the second movie? Yes. Okay, I've, I still have yet to see it. Really? Can you give us a sort of a... Is it a worthy sequel? Is it is it a little it's lackluster? It's a fine sequel. 
I I was very excited when it was first announced. Um, it picks up maybe maybe the, one of the biggest flaws for me for that second film is it picks up immediately after the events of the first film. So you know how at the very end of the film, yeah, the, so the Underminer comes I will, out. I will say that I have read, not read, I've watched the opening of the movie on a plane and I turned it off. Yeah. I was, I was not a fan of them immediately starting after the first film, just because it feels like that's so much. Like when, when you consider everything that's happened in this family, and these two films happens literally back to back. It seems overwhelming. You, you need a little bit of breathing room. You need a little bit of breathing room. And then it almost, and again, I, I maybe have to rewatch the second film to really confirm this, but it feels like some character motivations take a step backwards or the development that we got in this first film goes backwards. Mm-hmm. And it, it really is a film that focuses a lot on Elastigirl, um, Helen. Which, which, which is, makes sense thematically because this movie is definitely correct. 100%. Mr. Incredible story. Yeah. Uh, personally, I wish they had never. Uh, it doesn't detract from the first one at all. Like, obviously, this hurt it, but it was a lot necessary. Yeah. Because I remember growing up, everyone wanted a sequel just to see the Underminer fight. Yeah. But see, at that, but it's so just it's almost like, like they started it there just to like gratify these people that have been, oh, right. but been I, begging but it, for it. It's so weird because, and, and this has nothing to do with it at all, but like they had a video game that they put out after. Like I remember playing on like the Game Boy where it's like they had like an Underminer stuff. And then as a kid and even like even as a kid, I remember thinking to myself the same thing with like the Kronos and Gazer Beam stuff. That is for you to fill in in your head. You, we don't, mm-hmm. that is like, if you had told me why did Brad Bird and the storytellers like, what, what's the purpose of that scene at the end? It's to get that cool moment where it's like, oh, the family, you know, they're coming together. They're going to do this. Yeah, yeah. This it's, thing. it's a, it's a, it's a bookend. It's a bookend. It's not meant to be actually anything that you actually show. And yeah. they did it. And I'm like, why? So anyway. Because yeah. I, I viewed it as like, okay, we just saw these guys take out Syndrome, who had this invincible thing, and they all right. worked together and were able to fight it. They're definitely going to be able to kill this. Maybe they will kill him. Maybe they will <laughs> <laughs> yeah. defeat this villain. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they don't, they don't seem very uh, upset when they were. We are there killing these grunt workers. They are. They were killing some grunt workers. Um. Yeah, I think they would. I would need to have counseling for my children if yeah. they were responsible for 21 deaths. Yeah. The other thing, um, before we, we draw this conversation to a close, I, um, at the end of this film, I love how it ends in the sense that um, once, once they're celebrated for defeating Syndrome and his Omnidroid, they're back in the limousine with like the governmental worker that's basically like, we're going to, you know, we're going to take care of all of this and we're like, we're going to freeze syndromes assets like all that stuff like again very like stuff that could be like way over your head as a kid and um mm-hmm. and because we, we haven't even talked about this yet but they leave the baby jack jack at home and again it's like they're picking up on some breadcrumbs where it's like in the film like if you were to watch this for the first time you're like oh there's that crazy babysitter that's taking care of jack jack and you know she seems like she's gonna be in over her head and mm-hmm. but they, again it really plays into the fact when they're in that limo and Helen's playing those messages and it's like something like it's like progressively weirder and you're like what the heck is happening and then like family like rushes into the house when they know that something's wrong and it's like this nefarious like evil situation where Syndrome's like I have got the baby like I'm going to like take your baby from you and, and like, raise it raise as my it. own <laughs> this cra- and it's like 
watching you like, oh my gosh, like there are moments when this film gets dark and you're like, that is dark. And then obviously we, we already spoiled it, but you know, he gets his comeuppance, but, but even like yeah. the Jack Jack's like, it's the, it's the perfect blend of like what you, what we've mentioned here where the film is very mature and bleak, but it also has like that fun, like slapstick element where it's like, here's this dark thing that's happening. And then it gets really funny when Jack Jack, you know, showcases his powers for the first time and turns into like solid metal and then like this gremlin mm-hmm. that's like ripping syndrome's hair crazy ending crazy fun ending dark yeah. ending and have have you seen the the pixar short that tells yeah. the story which i think would be a would be a fun ad if they played it like after the movie like at that like a mid-credit scene that would have been yeah because because i was thinking it, it definitely it wouldn't work as well if they actually showed that because it does work so well when you have Jack Jack showing his powers off at the the very end moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I love the final end scene where they let Dash compete, and so funny because Dash is literally just content with just being at the table. Yeah, and he's he's literally just content with jogging to the finish line and getting dead last. But then his parents are like, "Okay, as long as you keep it." fair you can go for second place keep it yeah 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 that's so good that's that the, so good and then the final season where they all put their little masks on yep and then it gets to the credits you know it's it's a well it's a well put together film top to bottom the the voice performances were fantastic the story was mm-hmm. very solid very sound very brisk um no lag time whatsoever great action great great dialogue like the interplay between the characters and it's it's, and it's all realistic even the brother sister stuff is it's oh yeah sometimes that's oh yeah it works perfect there's not a moment where it doesn't feel disingenuous at all Mm -hmm. um was there anything you didn't like because i don't think there's anything i besides just like the weird motivation stuff with centra but again Mm -hmm. that's that is the most ticky tacky thing i can think of other than that and again we've talked about a little bit but the animation can sometimes throw you up a little bit in the face but again i have no complaints there all right so we've come to that time of the episode can i get a in any sort of initial rating for you this movie says an 8.0 for some reference yes this this film is a 9.2 wow i was sitting at an 8.8 Ooh, that's still good so we can we can move on and this will be an interesting conversation. We've got the handmaiden who's who's had some tough battles recently. Yeah. Barely coming out on top on can I, multiple can I also occasions. Say, before we get into it, Zach, I know I know that episode is coming on. I have thought and rethought about uh to be or not to be in the handmaiden in that <laughs> battle so many times. I think, I think we got ask, it wrong. I, I think sometimes, sometimes I think to myself, I convince myself some days that I got it wrong. And hey, some days I, I, I think was I vouching. I, I was vouching for to be or not to be. I know. And again, I, I don't necessarily still disagree. I change my mind every day, but that was, whew. well, I'm glad, I'm glad you're still thinking about it. Yeah. That's, but the battle must commence. That so being Nichols, said, I, will, I will let you go first. I'm ready for the Incredibles to move on. You know what, Nicholas? Let's let's go ahead and do it. Let's go. Yes. Look, we, it, we're, I think we it might, I might, it might be the 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 perfect Pixar movie. Yeah, yeah. I think it is the magnum opus. Besides, maybe Toy Story. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And look, we we've developed our criteria where, and we we try to stick to it. Like 
like the college football committee would try to. Um, no, they they are the most spineless people I've ever met. They don't stick to jack poop. <laughs> um, I look based off what we've established. I think we would both agree, right? And and I thought about this. I, I thought about this a whole lot too, because um, I I knew I was gonna like this film going into it already, and I came out of it loving it even more than I thought. It's it's the Incredibles. There there was not a doubt in my mind, not a doubt in my mind. So we're good. We like it. Yeah. We like that choice. Yeah. So next week, number two twenty eight. And remember, guys and gals, this is our this is our last IMDb film of the year. So I mean if you got Sure, an hour and forty something. Where are the Okay, they, they they updated the IMDb app and they mess everything up. Oh great! Oh, we got oh we got a new movie on the list now. The Gangs Uh-oh. of Wazai Pure is back on the list. Five At hours and twenty one minutes. Oh yeah. Yikes. But next week is Zach. Next it week must, is it must have changed. At- it's still drum roll. Okay, I'm I say this every week, but I genuinely think that from now on we are going to the list is going to be pretty concrete yeah because it's just the the films below like the 230 mark that are jostling for position because my father my son went all the way back down to 234 no (laughs) but next week 228 is 1939's wizard of oz rated an 8.1 out of 10 can't tell you how much i'm looking forward to that one and you can stream that one on max let's go aren't you are you are you a big wizard of oz fan um my brother that's his favorite film of all time okay i knew one of the chef boys was a big wizard fan and i so this will be fun because they're very much like the incredibles i know i've seen this film a lot especially as a kid but it's been many many years since i've seen it all the way through Mm -hmm. so i'm ready um so, Nicholas, one more time, will you give them the question of the day? Yes. Um, the question of the day is, what is one of the worst performances? It doesn't have to be the worst. Obviously, we have all seen a lot of films. What is one of the worst performances you have ever seen from an actor or actress that you admire? Mm-hmm. And just put those answers in the comment. I guess not the comments. The Q&A that we'll have listed below this episode. And then I'm interested to see, I want some votes on if this is better than The Handmaiden. I'm very interested to see if anyone will move on The Handmaiden. And final reminder, so sort of the housekeeping section of the day. One more episode, Christmas episode, and then we're off for at least two weeks. Yes. Hopefully and just two weeks. I would also like to do this um, because I promised them that I would. And Zach, please um, help to fill in a name if I have forgotten one. We would love to shout out, since we are fast approaching the end of the year 2023, many of you who watch and listen to us on Spotify recently saw that your Spotify wrapped came out. And as part of that, um, you have sent us your screenshots um, and celebratory messages about how much you have listened to the closed screening. would like to give a special shout out to Mason Antwine and Joel Winston for making and our... My good friend, Tommy Regnati. Slot in there at number five, I think. Thank you. Yes, you have been the top. Uh, you're, you were part of the top five 
um, podcast that you listen to all year was one of us. So yeah, uh, so we so we need our top listeners to uh, to be plugging that, that's plugging right. it. That's right. And if I if I've forgotten your name, I apologize. You are out there with us as well. Thank you for listening, tuning in every single week. Zachary, to that end, where can audience members continue to find us, rate us, and all that good stuff? Yeah, um, anywhere podcasts are found. If you're listening to on Apple Music, good for you. But we're a lot of our interaction takes place on Spotify, and you can just download Spotify. You don't have to pay for it. You can listen to podcasts for free. Um, but you can follow us on Twitter at Close Screening. And one of these days, I'll end up posting our stuff back onto YouTube. One of these days at the Close Screening. One of these days. But yeah. Boys of Oz next week. Anything else you want to say, Nicholas? No, sir. Until then. All right. We'll see you same time, same place next week. <laughs>